0: No purchase necessary, void, were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I will tell Jesus, and he will help me over the world. He will I will tell Jesus, I will tell Jesus, I cannot
2: bear the word of the I tell Jesus, I will tell
0: Jesus. Jesus, i me. You, you, Jesus, I bear the burden. I'm going you, Jesus, you, Jesus, I i Jesus, you, Jesus, me, Jesus, you, Jesus, Thank you.
1: page 13. everybody trying to pick out another song real fast right here let's do page 20
0: what a fellowship! what a joy divine leading on the everlasting what a blessedness, what a peace of mind Leading on the everlasting arms Leading, the everlasting. leading the safe and secure from all of us Leading, leading, leading on the everlasting arms what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leave on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord appearance. Leave me on the everlasting arms. Leave me, leave me, safe and secure from all the harm. me.
1: We don't hardly do song eighteen because it makes me cry, but today is the last great day. So let's do page
0: eighteen in the sky, no fear to end me, All the streets of heaven, on the streets of heaven, on the night, the people of the shore, day. Just this with, with my and I will I'm if you're going to be able to to be
1: Another song calls it the uncloudy day. There'll be no longer a need for rain, snow, and sleet, wind and storm and tempest. Be no longer in need for earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes, lightning, and thunder. Be no longer in need for death and sickness, pain, trial, testing affliction there's no more need for sickness and disease all those things are needful right now in that as a test as a child the testing as purification as judgment things to keep us on our knees things to keep us learning growing building character developing as a person without trials and sufferings there will be no paradise but once we get to paradise we are no longer in need of trials and sufferings praise God this is the last great day the eighth day the last great day of the feast And Jesus stood spoke aloud that if any man thirsts, let him come unto me. Amen. Jesus is the water of life. He is the light. He is the bread. He is the door. He is the way. There is no other way. Yeah. Only Christ Jesus can, can forgive us of our sins and die for our sins and have that eternal sacrifice for our sins. Not Allah. Not Buddha, not Yahshua, only Jesus. Amen. Amen. God is great. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega. Our Father, our Creator, our Lord, our King, and our God, our Sustainer, our Fortress, our High Tower, Our shield. He is all things to us. And He holds all things together. And there was nothing that was made that was not made by Him. He is the Father Creator. Jesus is His name. Amen. Praise God. Good to see all of you. Let's go in prayer. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this last great day of the feast, a day of such tremendous, wonderful, and powerful symbolism. Thank you, Lord, for getting us through this week, all the nights, for some people so much wind, rain, and cold weather. For those that have had great weather, we thank you for that. We thank you for protection through this time. Thank you for seeing us through. Thank you for teaching some of us, some people, how to camp, how to trust you for protection, how to persevere in the wilderness, how to survive. Things to do and things not to do for the great tribulation, the time of survival. Thank you for these lessons. Thank you for reminding us that our flesh in our homes and jobs that they are all temporary and that we should put our hearts and our minds on the future on the kingdom on eternity and on spiritual things that we should be more spiritually minded that we should be spiritual people that we should be spirits and not carnally fleshly minded Help us, Lord, that if any fleshly thing has power and authority over us that we cannot control, that we would be delivered from it. Please realign our hearts and our minds and our souls. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from every wicked thing that besets us, that weighs us down, that hinders us from finishing the race. Please help us, Lord to run the race, to win, to run powerfully and skillfully. Please help us, Lord, to finish the race. You are faithful to see us through, for you are the faithful one. We praise your holy name of Jesus. We accept your blessing and anointing on these worship services and on this sermon that we are about to receive. We accept your blessing upon the church, your protection upon us. And we lift up to you those that were sick and afflicted Amanda and Jonathan. We lift up to you, Edward, Richard, Salavat, AJ and Kiki, Angie, Neatness, Ehub, Moses, BJ. There ago We lift up to you, Victoria. We lift up to you, those that have fallen away as well. We lift up to you, those that are still weak in faith, those that are still confused, those that are still disobedient, that they will learn to put you first. And no man, no woman, no person, no job, no money, no wife, no husband, but only you first, above all things, at all times. And that in every decision and in every choice, that obedience to you and you alone will be their highest priority, instead of human reasoning and their own will. Let us not forget to love others and to put others first after we have obeyed you first. Help us to deny ourselves and our own will, to put ourselves last. Help us, Lord, in all these things. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Let's turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Well, locally here, we've been having some great weather for the Fiesta of Tabernacles. And that's the way it is usually here most years, not every year, but most years we do have wonderful weather for the feast. And then immediately afterwards, it turns extremely cold after that. It has been nice and warm and dry until it rained last night. But thankfully, we stayed dry in our tents, praise God. It's person supposed to turn cold tonight below freezing on our last night in the tents. And we'll be warm. We've got heaters in the tent where my wife and I have been camping. And so we'll stay warm with that heater in there. And only one night of having to be below freezing, which it won't even below. It won't even be below freezing in the tent. We got a power cord run into the tent and a heater going. The tarp did really well at keeping the rain out, which I was concerned about, but it worked. And so nice to stand here in the brand new sanctuary or remodeled. It is new to us as a room that we can actually use. We actually do have our yellow bright and sunny cardboard using it as wallpaper all across the top uh, behind me there to help wake up Brother Gerald and if he's awake, maybe I might be a little bit awake as well. It's warm in here. It's cold outside. So I'm going to open up this window and see if I can get some fresh air. I have to learn how to use this window. There we go. So hopefully I won't get in too much cold air, but that fresh air will help wake me up. And we've got two diffusers running this time both of them with lemon essential oil and frankincense. So that frankincense and that uh, lemon, especially the lemon, should hopefully wake us up as well. And then hopefully this week we'll get a light bulb, additional light in here to make it more light to also help wake us up. Because we're not morning people around here. We're not, we're not morning people around here. So we need all the help we can get to wake up. As I go down my caffeine tea, we're gonna get some more poster board used as wallpaper along the bottom edge behind me and all the rainbow colors all the way across. And some more yellow board for the back wall to where I'm facing so that we can maybe wake myself up as well, because bright colors and yellow and stuff like that, they help wake people up. Whereas very dull colors, including gray, which is what color the wall is, that puts people to sleep. And you know people usually do go to sleep during worship services anyway, no matter what church you're at. There's something about that, it's a spiritual warfare thing. But especially when the colors are dull or gray, they help put people to sleep. And if you don't have air circulation, that stagnant air puts people to sleep as well. So we're aware of these things so that we can do all that we can try to do, everything we can try, make people more awake. And then when you come to visit us and other people come and join the local congregation, by that time, we'll have it all figured out and we'll be a lively bunch. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You, you, you would think we're in Africa or something where people actually are alive because Americans are pretty dead and boring. you know. So but you're going to think we're in some other country where people actually know how to worship and praise and sing and dance. Amen. So that's our goal. Uh, okay, we have our sound effects going. Down. I lost that phone. Where I I've looked in every room after I laid it down, I have looked twice in every room. So next week we're gonna have the sound effects thing, and uh, we're starting in two Corinthians four, two Corinthians chapter four. Starting in verse 16, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, and we're going to read from there down to chapter 5, verse 10. So you can have that in your notes or even mark it in your Bible that we're going to go down through verse 10. So starting in verse 16, therefore We do not lose heart, but though our outer person, that is the flesh, is decaying, dying. Your skin falls off every day of the week. Your skin is dying and even your muscles and your internal parts of your body, even when you're exercising, your exercise, burning up calories and fat your body is decaying and as you get older losing your hormones and so forth and losing your eyesight and hearing we are decaying yet our inside our soul is being renewed day day by day hopefully Amen. that comes by feeding your spirit scripture and worship and song and prayer And sermons listening to our radio station whenever you can or online radio station which i'm going to try to put some new content make it more fresh for you hopefully so these these things feed your soul to increase your soul amen verse 17 for momentary light affliction or temporary light affliction I don't, know, I don't know that everybody's gonna know what momentary means, people from different languages. The temporary would, I think, probably be better there. Uh, because that would be a word that more people would know that are learning English for the first time. For temporary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. If you think about a bodybuilder adding mass to his muscles. He increases weight even though he wants to lose weight of fat. A bodybuilder wants to gain weight of muscle. But yet, this temporary afflictions, trials, and sufferings and testing that we are enduring is building up spiritual muscle an eternal weight of glory of spirit far beyond all comparison. You cannot even imagine how huge and how powerful that you're going to get spiritually become because of the testing. We, all of us, should start thinking of ourselves as spiritual bodybuilders and spiritual warriors spiritual soldiers military officials amen amen verse 18 while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary temporal. i'd rather say temporary rather than temporal a lot of people learning english don't know what temporal is but the things which are not seen are eternal we can't help what we see with our carnal eyes fleshly eyes we can't help that and it's not necessarily a sin to see anything hardly be some things that are sinful to see, but most things are completely acceptable to see. God is not saying that we must be blind, but rather, He is saying through Paul here that we need to focus more on the spiritual things. Amen. Verse 1 of chapter 5. For we know that if the earthly tent, that is our human body, the earthly tent is our human body, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from Theos, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now that does not mean that we will live in heaven forever. Because the Bible never says that, but rather our spiritual body that we're going to put on, even though we have a spot, even though we have a spirit inside us already, these particular verses that we're going to read seem to indicate that we're going to receive a outward spiritual shell to replace the outward physical shell. It seems to indicate that here. And that is in heaven right now. And the word heavens is not the same as heaven. Amen? Heavens really seems to be referring to the universe. Amen. We may even change that word there. We'll look at that. But heaven is not the same as heavens. It seems to be really talking about that in the universe, in the spiritual realm, not necessarily the third heaven, but in the spiritual realm, we have awaiting for us an outward spiritual shell that's being reserved for us. Verse 2, for indeed in this house, this flesh, we groan. Longing, waiting, longing desperately to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Inasmuch as we haven't put it on, we'll not be found naked spiritually. So that reminds me of 1 Corinthians 15. So I would like for you to put at the end of verse 3. Add a reference there to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 31 to 58. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31 through 58. That's where it says, and we actually call 1, 1 Corinthians 15, is called the resurrection chapter. It's talking about the first resurrection. And it says, this mortal must own immorality. In in mor- <laughs> wow. Immortality. This corruptible must put on incorruptibility. So it refers there to putting it on as if it is a clothing. And it does here as well. Of course, Paul wrote both of these passages that we're talking about 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. So Paul is saying in multiple places that we're actually going to receive a outward spiritual clothing, shell. When it says that so that we would not be found naked it has nothing to do with hiding your sexual parts because it's a spiritual shell. It's invisible to the carnal eye, to the fleshly eye. We could also refer these verses or reference these verses over to Revelation 19, verse eight, that refers to that we're gonna be clothed in white linen, which is the righteous works of the saints. It doesn't say that it's made out of yarn, polyester, wool, or any such thing. These are spiritual things that you could relate to being similar to the wind. Verse 4, and besides which, the word naked here many times in in the Bible has an indication of sinfulness, even though nudity is not a sin. But there's a connection to being out of control. Uh, because of the way that people have abused nudity, just like people have abused alcohol and food and music, and the list is endless of the things that people have abused. So the vocabulary that Paul is using is human vocabulary of what people have become accustomed To abusing things that would not normally be sinful. So he refers to nudity here as kind of a hint of putting on a condition of not sinning anymore, being perfected, being complete in Christ, being completely in control of our passions and body and mind, spirit and soul. Amen. Verse 4, for indeed while we are in this tent, this body, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed mentally, spiritually, but to be clothed mentally, spiritually, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. So that this physical mortal body will be swallowed up by eternal life even 1 Corinthians 15 I think even speaks about uh, death being swallowed up perhaps verse 5 now he who prepared us for this very purpose is theos who gave to us the spirit as a pledge as a pledge what does that mean it's collateral amen so the Holy Ghost which is a spirit even though we call it Holy Ghost to indicate the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that he died but is alive, the Holy Ghost is a spirit as compared to being flesh. So this is where I could use the amen. So then he's given us the Holy Ghost as collateral, a small measure of it, But in the future, he's going to give us a greater, much larger measure of the Holy Ghost as we become swallowed up by the presence of God. We're going to be at one with God. And we'll shine extremely brightly even as the stars of heaven, according to more than one verse of the Bible. Amen. So, the measure of the Holy Ghost we have right now is a pledge or a collateral toward a larger measure of the Spirit that we shall receive. Isn't that interesting? Verse 6, therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. What does he mean by that? Actually, if we have the Holy Ghost, and if we have that pledge of the Holy Ghost, we're not absent from God. He is inside us. He's not wrong what he's saying here. We just need to understand what he is saying here. So, the Holy Ghost is with us, and we are not alone. And God hears and knows our ever thought, even before we speak it. We are not alone, we are not absent from the Lord. But in the context of what Paul is comparing, our temporary status of being in the flesh and not being very much in the spirit compared to what we're going to be, that we'll be totally spirit and be swallowed up by the presence of God and be at one with God and we'll be shining as bright as the sun in comparison to that, we were absent from the Lord, separated from the Lord. We have a difficult time right now hearing the voice of God, knowing whether it's our voice or his voice or the devil's voice. So that's a, a certain measure of a separation from God. And the more we sin, the more we struggle with that because sin separates us from God. So the more sin we have in our life the more that we are separated from god but the more you obey god and love god and praise god and worship god and read the bible and pray and keep the commandments and keep the Sabbath, and keep the feast and keep the holy days and the longer you keep doing that the more that we are being transformed as it said into the spirit day by day even as another verse in the bible says That it's like looking at the mirror in the mirror every day, but you're looking at Christ instead of your flesh when you look in the mirror, according to that other Bible verse. So, as we do that every day, we're being transformed into that new image and that new creation. And we become less flesh and more spirit. Even as Jesus said, those that are born again are not in the flesh, but are in the spirit already in this life. So when you are born again, you are a babe in Christ, you have a a small measure of the Holy Ghost as a pledge of a larger measure, and then you grow, you must grow, you are required to grow in the measure of the Holy Ghost every year of your life after baptism. Growing, learning, maturing, becoming more complete in Christ, more spiritually minded, and not walking backward, but only forward. And so you become less fleshly and more spiritual and you you become to know, you, you come eventually to know the mind of Christ more. You feel his emotions more, his anger more, his disappointment, his sadness, and his gladness. You come to know his thoughts and his ways and his actions and his will more each year that is our goal so you become less flesh and more spiritual you become less human and more a god as we are gods and that's not blasphemous at all because jesus said it jesus said it so that's not blasphemous it's just really believing what he said rather than rejecting what he said we are gods and we become more and more gods more the more the more that we grow to become part of god to be his children and that the son will act like the father look like the father talk like the father you won't be able to separate us very much we're going to look so much alike but he'll always be greater shout it brother amen Amen. praise god verse seven for we walk by faith not by sight again walking in the spirit we are of good courage i say and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be present in our kingdom with the lord in other words this life is nothing it's the next life that we care about amen so this is another reason that we do not accept blood transfusions and body organs because that's not natural it's gross it's nasty it's playing god and who are we to try to live forever in the flesh the flesh is nothing your human flesh is nothing but a temporary tent that is to be folded up and put away amen, amen. it is the next life that we need to preserve and try to live forever. Not this life. We are not to try to live forever in this life. We would rather be in the next life. Amen. Amen. Verse 9, therefore, we also have as our ambition, our drive, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. Amen. For we all must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be repaid, recompensed, for his works in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Amen. It doesn't say that we're going to be judged according to whether or not we said one prayer, like they teach in Babylon. But rather, we're going to be judged by our works, Amen. what we have done, both good and bad. Now, there is a perplexing or confusing or mysterious thing that he said here: is that we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And as I said on the seventh day, uh, was that yesterday or day before? The day before yesterday. Uh, I don't really see any description in the bible although i believe there are some indications in some of the apocryphal works perhaps but in the canonical bible in the official bible we don't have really a description of the saints in the first resurrection standing at a judgment seat of christ <clears throat> now that word all there may be key because the word all in Greek does not always mean every person, despite what it means in English. In Greek, it does not always mean every, 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 every person, but rather it can mean each individual. That's what it can mean, each individual. So he could be saying, because he didn't write English, he didn't know English, He could be saying for each individual will stand before the seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. Because when we get in the first resurrection, I really don't believe we're going to go into a court in heaven or into the temple to be judged. If we enter the first resurrection, we've already been judged, and you have already received your reward immediately upon day number one of that time period of the first resurrection. So I'm going to change this word all here to each individual. And I need you to make sure you send that to me in a note because I did not plan that. But we have to recognize that the Greek does not mean the same as the English. People get so obsessed about every letter of the English that Paul did not write English and there's nothing in the Bible to prove to us at all that we're actually going to stand in a judgment seat to be judged at the first resurrection when we when you enter into the spirit you're already judged there ain't gonna be no need to be judged But each one of us are being judged day by day, every day that we live. The only time that we need a judgment day is at the end of the hundred years. That's the only time that we're going to need a judgment day. Now let's go over to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 46. Page 246. One Peter, first Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and we're going to read down all the way through verse 9 verses one through 9 First Peter 1. Peter, uh, apostle of Jesus, Jesus the Christ for Jesus Christ, to those who reside as pilgrims, scattered throughout these towns, Papapas and Galatia, Caponia, Asia, Bethia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of Theos the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the Theos and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead notice here how peter says that we are already born again through the resurrection of jesus christ we so we know in romans 6 that through baptism we are crucified and resurrected with christ jesus and so that is a being born again of water and spirit both at the moment of baptism we're already born again we don't have to wait to the resurrection to be born again verse four to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away Reserved in heaven for you, is reserved in heaven, the inheritance is, that it shall come to earth, according to Revelation 20 and 21 and other verses in the Bible. Who are protected by the power of theos through faith for a salvation ready to be manifested in the last time. So that is referring to that although we are already born again and we are already saved, the salvation is never completed until the resurrection. Amen. Because you could fall away, you could be led away. Verse 6 In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary. You have been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith being more valuable, it should say, rather than precious. Because precious, the word precious, some people might confuse that it means special. But actually, the Greek word here means valuable. So we're changing precious to valuable. So that the proof of your faith being more valuable than gold which is perishable even though tested by fire may result may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the appearing of jesus christ and though that you have not seen him you love him and though you do not see him now but believe in him you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The theme of this is the same as the theme of what we read in 2 Corinthians while ago, that we have to go through the trials and the sufferings and pass all those testings and learn our lessons so that we may receive our rewards and be fully saved. Because God does not want a kingdom, a future paradise, full of people that will then, at that time, once we get our rewards and once we're turning to spirit and once we're in paradise and New Jerusalem and so forth, at that time, begin to fall away. Not believe God, not trust God, and corrupt eternity and ruin everything. God cannot afford that. We cannot afford that. He must not allow that to happen. And to make for sure that does not happen, that paradise belongs, he must test us now before he turns us into complete spirit. Amen. And it's a whole lot easier to learn our lessons if we can actually feel the pain. Amen. Your mommy and your daddy, they can yell at you all they want. But until they spank you and paddle you and you feel that pain, you're not really going to learn your lesson. There must be prisons, jails, capital punishment, hangings. There must be harsh, Punishment. There must be judgments and the wrath of God and the great tribulation and war and death and sickness and disease. All these things are necessary to see who will persevere and press forward through all the tests. We need a church for people who are so committed to Christ that they cannot be pushed away no matter what. We need people like Brother AJ in South Korea, who me and him, who have had several, quite a few disagreements over the years, and yet we're still brothers in Christ, because that's what a real friend is. Amen? Amen. And that's what a real brother is, and a real sister, is one where You can have some disagreements and fuss and tell each other off and go through a very hard, difficult time. But at the end of the day, one of them makes up with the other and says, you know what? I still love you. I still wanna be with you. We're still brothers. Blood is thicker than air. Blood is thicker than water let's make up and let's be family that's the way family is that's the way family is but so many people over the years no i'm not going to make up. no i'm not going to apologize no way jose that's their attitude a heart of bitterness and unforgiveness pride and stubbornness and rebellion They cannot confess their own involvement of the problem, what they did. That's a huge problem. That's why we don't have many people in the church, because people are so proudful and stubborn. They cannot admit anything that they have done wrong at all. And they just want to keep pointing the finger at me. Just keep pointing the finger. Just keep pointing the finger. That's not very spiritual. That's carnal. That's not spiritual mindedness. That's not love. That's not being the body of Christ. That's not being a Christian. We have to be able to get over things. We need more people like Brother AJ and Brother Gerald and Salavat, who I have tested and pushed to their limits, and they steal. Or you ain't pushing me away that easy. I know your other email address. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I would not be able to push Brother Gerald away with a broomstick. I wouldn't be able to, because he knows that God is present in this ministry Amen. over and above my faults. God is present in this ministry, amen, Amen? over and above my own faults. And that's what counts, amen. That's what counts, more than anything else. It's God's presence that God has called this ministry, not me. This ministry was not my choice. It was God's. We have seen that a million times over. Let's go to Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And we call this the faith chapter. I want you all to learn this now. Amen? Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. Is anybody else having problems with the sound breaking up? As the brother in Scotland said is breaking up a lot. But I think that's probably just his internet connection. But I do want to know is it mine? So I want to know if anybody else can let me know yes or no. Is the audio breaking up a lot? Okay, Andrew said no problem there. Thank you, brother. Anybody else that can make to just make for sure that it's coming good, coming through good for the other people. So I really, really think that that is just a constant problem in Scotland of the internet connection. It said all good in Korea, all good in Korea, all good in New York. I thank you guys. And good in Jamaica. So I'm sorry. Brother Edward in Scotland, I'm really sorry, but it has to be either your internet connection or your computer or your phone or whatever you're using. You may want to try a different device or a different browser. Uh, If you're using Internet Explorer, use Google Chrome or use Brave as a browser. Use a different browser, and I believe that you will have a better connection. And you can try that next week. Uh, And if you need information, if you need to learn how to download a different browser, if you're not for sure what that means, you can get up with me later and I will explain that with you. But I'm pretty sure that's what it is. You need a different browser or a better Internet connection. Everybody else, no problems. No problems with anybody else on the Internet connection. So anyway, we'll move forward now into Hebrews 11 the faith chapter, and you can compare this with Wisdom chapter 10, and Wisdom chapter 10 is found in the Old Testament, or what we actually call the Middle Testament, uh, one of the apostical books that they had taken out, but we have put it back into the Bible as it should be. You can compare this to Wisdom 10, very much a similar theme and talking. So it says in verse 1, now faith is the real foundation of trust, the proof or the conviction of things not seen. So we keep talking about the difference between the physical world and the spiritual world. And this is what the whole lesson of Tabernacles has been, is to get our focus off the physical things of this world and start putting more importance on the spiritual things. So that would mean obedience to God, to his commandments and his holy, holy days, that comes first over and above money, jobs, rent, electricity, car payments. Obedience to God comes first. That is a spiritual thing. Keeping God's holy days comes first. We have to learn to trust God, that if we obey him, he will bless us and he will make a way for us to survive and get through. So it's more important that a person keep their commitment to God, to keep the fiesta, rather than thinking about who's going to catch a cold if I show up, because that's carnal thinking. That's physical thinking, physical germs, physical sickness, physical people, physical problems. But we need to think about the spiritual obedience to the commandments of God. God said he wanted you to come to be part of the spiritual family at, at the spiritual times of the year. That should have been your commitment to obey God first. Amen. So we're learning. Hopefully God is helping people to learn and to grow in the truth. That we have to confess our sins. We have to be able to confess when we have done wrong. Verse 2 And by it, the men of old gained approval through faith. By faith, the men of old, the patriarchs, gained approval from God. By faith, we understand that the time eras, different periods of time in history, were prepared by the word of Theos, the Logos, by Jesus. Both time eras was prepared so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, Abel, Cain and Abel. Abel offered up to God, Theos, a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. Theo's testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks symbolically. The testimony of Abel still speaks to us today. That's what that's talking about. That's what that means, is that the testimony of what Abel did and was approved by God is a speaking testimony to us today. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch... Was converted so that he would not see death talking about the second death that Enoch was approved by God that when he comes back in the second resurrection he will not have to die the second death that's what that means and he was not found because Theos moved him to another location not heaven but he obtained the witness That before he was moved, he was pleasing to Theos. Verse 6 And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to Theos must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So, not only that we must believe in God and who he is, what his name is, but we must trust that he will reward us. We must trust him for the outcome of our obedience. Verse 7, and by faith Noah, being warned by Theos about things not yet seen in prophecy, in revelant fear he prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world, the flood condemned the world, and became a hired inheritor of the inheritance. Of the righteousness which is according to faith so in other words it took noah 120 years to build the ark the flood did not come year after year after decade after decade after decade after decade the flood did not come until 120 years after he started that is faith because you know that the whole 120 years you know it you know it. We don't have to have it written in Scripture. We know it by logic, by common sense, that everybody else around him was saying that man is crazy. Amen. You know he was laughed at, mocked, and ridiculed, and people saying he was a false prophet. The flood has not come. He's been building that thing for 120 years. The flood still hasn't come. You know that's the way people were talking. But the flood came. Amen? The flood came. And how many people survived? Only eight people. And the Bible says even before that, that God searched the entire earth for a righteous man. The entire earth. And only Noah did he find. Only Noah. Only Noah. And that's the same situation that we find today. Same situation. The same situation we find today. So why would it be that we would think that the Baptist Church is correct? How could it be? How could it be that the Catholic or the Lutherans or the Presbyterian or the Episcopals or the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Seven Day Venice they have millions of followers? How could it be that any of those be right? Impossible. Revelation 12, verse 9, Satan has deceived the entire world. The word there in Greek is not the same word for all. It's a different word because it really does mean everything, every person. It's a different Greek word. It really does mean the entire earth there in Revelation 12, 9. See, it's a different Greek word. So then we go down to verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for inheritance and went went out not knowing where he was going. But he still went. He still obeyed God. How many of you would do that? I would like for you to examine yourself. How many of you would do that? would leave your home, your job, education, college, school, family, friends, husband, wife, how many of you would do this while well, Abraham did? Not even knowing where he was going, but he knew God said go. I, I think actually a lot of you would fail this, if you're honest with yourself. And how can you fix that though? How can you fix that? How can you change? How can you be more faithful? How can you trust God more? What is it gonna take to get you to where you need to be? Because this is where every one of us needs to be, is being willing to obey God first, no matter what. No obstacle to obeying God. This is where we all need to be already especially those that have been listening for more than just a couple of months. This is where we need to be already. No obstacle to obeying God, nothing. What is it going to take to get you there? Reading the Bible more, worshiping more, praising God more, listening to the gospel music more, listening to the recorded sermons again a second time, reading the website more. Reading the Bible more what, what? What is it going to take? More fasting? Hiking in the woods, spending time alone with God? Whatever it is, a combination of these things probably. probably. Why not pursue what it's going to take to get you there? Why not, amen? In verse 9 By faith, he lived as a pilgrim in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow hires of the same promise. But he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is Theos. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised therefore there was born even of one man abraham as him as good as dead as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable uncountable as the sand which is by the seashore all these people died in faith that includes enoch in verse five all these people died in faith each individual every one of these though all those that are listed without receiving the promises they did not receive the promises that means they did not go to heaven they have not yet received their reward that's very clear here but having seen them in Scripture and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country uh, of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one, the heavenly kingdom of God to come to earth. Therefore, Theos is not ashamed to be called their God. Amen. For he has prepared a city for them by faith abraham when he was tested offered up isaac his own son for he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son of promise it was abraham to whom it was said in isaac your descendants shall be called he considered that theos is able to raise people even from the dead from which he also received him back as a type to abraham Was willing to sacrifice his own son in the altar, he was going to do it. He had already pulled out the knife and pulled it back in the air. He was going to stab and kill his own son because God said, Do it. How many would pass that test? And let's not question God. God can do anything He wants to, He's God. We're not perfect. He is. Abraham did not actually have to kill his son, but he had to follow through until God said stop. So that God would know that Abraham really could be trusted with big things, with responsibility and duties in in the kingdom. That Abraham really could be trusted. That's what God wanted to know. And Abraham proved that he could be trusted to do even big things, whatever it took, to obey God first, no excuses. To obey God first, no excuses? To love God more than his own son, his own children, wife, mom, dad, brother, family, friends, job, career, houses, land? To obey God, no excuses. That's where we all need to be. That's where we all need to be. Amen. Abraham obeyed because he knew that God is good. And that if he had to go all the way in the killing of his son, God would raise that guy, his son, from the dead. That this life is nothing that this life is nothing, that God is able to raise the dead and will raise the dead. So Abraham was able to obey God by putting his mind on the power of God and on the future and on the next life rather than on the temporary things. Amen. That's the key. Amen. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac, his son, blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, his name was changed to Israel before that, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his own bones. In other words, Joseph knew that the people would eventually be slaves, but they would also have a way of escape later on. Verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden by his mom for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a handsome child and they were not afraid of the king's edict orders. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be the call called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment of the people of Theos rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the repay. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that the the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as through dry ground, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, rehab the harlot, God bless her, amen, did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace in her own home. Amen. Something to think about there. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me. I ain't got enough time to tell the of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith they conquered kingdoms, performed righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped to the edge of the sword, and from weakness were made strong became mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight to flee in fear women received back their dead by resurrection and others were tortured not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better result at their resurrections. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, whippings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were saw in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with a sword, they went about in sheepskin, goat skins, being destitute, afflicted, and ill treated, of whom the world was not worthy. There was wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Because Theos had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Think about what that says. What does that mean? I guarantee you there's not a Babylonian pastor out there that knows what it means of the Sunday churches. It means that those people of the Old Testament time era, of which all those people were of the Old Testament time era and Middle Testament, that all those people must rise in the second resurrection which the Feast of Tabernacles represents. The second harvest, the last harvest of souls. So that they will, at that time during that hundred years, read about us. They will read about AJ and me, our dream, and AJ, persevering and pressing through and continuing to be steadfast and pass the tests and continue to be faithful and stay part of the church and to the best of his ability of what I will grant him. Brother Gerald and so many other people in Kiki and others who have endured in meekness, who has endured. Amen. They will read about you guys. They will read new scriptures, guarantee you. They will read another testament. They will read of new prophets, multiple prophets. They will read about this ministry. They will read about the Alpha and Mega Bible. They will read about the times that Jesus showed me, the turtle and the snail up in the sky in October of 2009. They will read about the time that God gave me the giant the giant hooks on the side of the highway in 2008. They will read about multiple different miracles that this ministry has experienced over these past 16 years and counting. They will read of this. How else what else could it mean? There's nothing else it could mean. It says it right here that he has provided something better for us, that apart from us, those people of the Old Testament, they would not be made perfect except for us, our testimony, our lives. What we have endured, how we have been tested, will make those people of the Old Testament learn more lessons, because they don't know about the blood of Christ they have not yet read our story our story amen they have to read our stories they have to this is why it's so important to share what's happening in your life to share when you're fired from a job or when you walk away from a job if it's for christ if it's about the sabbath or if it's about covid Or even a test in general or even just everyday life trials is still important to share what's happening in your life to your brothers and sisters so that that can be recorded so that that can be known and retold as a story so that can be brought up in another sermon and recorded So that that can be a living testimony to the new people that come that need to hear testimonies. And there's always new people coming all the time. It's very important to share what's happening in your life so that we can lift up very specific things in prayer so that our prayer life does not sound like a broken record. Oh, Father, please help Kareem. Oh, Father, please help Fiona. Please help AJ. Because if I just sound like a broken record and I don't bring up specifics, then I really am sounding like a broken record. I need fresh information. I need fresh information about what's going on in your life this week, this month, what you're going through. So I can add that to my prayers. And if we all share what's going on in our lives, then we can all be evolving and changing in our prayer life to add new information and new words to our prayer requests. Please help Kareem with this. Please help Fiona with this. Please help AJ with this. This is why I'm so adamant about people needing to be very active in the me groups so that our prayers can be ever-evolving as well as actually really truly caring about you. If I didn't care about you, I, want, I didn't want to hear nothing from you. Amen. But if I care about you, then I do want to hear from you. I do want to hear what's happening in your life because I care. And because this is a way that you become closer brothers and sisters, if you actually know what it what others are going through and what's happening in their life. If you involve people in your life, then you've given them opportunity to grow in love with you, to grow in relationship with you, to come to know you as a human being rather than a computer profile. So I know I sound like a broken record right now, don't I? But I ain't got time for that. Uh, I ain't got time for that. It's none of their business. Oh well. Guess I'll just keep beating the horse dead. There has to be testimonies. We overcome the devil by the word of our testimony. We've got to give testimony that This was the situation, and God delivered me from it. Amen. I prayed about something, and God gave me the answer to my prayers. We need testimony constantly. We need testimony constantly. And finally, let's go to Revelation 21. If we're talking about enduring trials and tribulations so that we may receive our reward, then let's look at our reward amen let's look at our reward revelation 21 verse 1 revelation 21 verse 1 and I saw a new universe and a new earth newly remodeled that is for the first universe and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from the theos, prepared as a bride, adored for her husband. This is what Jesus was referring to when he said, I go to prepare you a place. I I go to prepare you mansions, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. When Jesus said, I go to prepare you a place, and I'm going to build you multitudes of mansions. He's talking about the new Jerusalem that he is actually building, not by human hands, but by the hands of God in heaven. There is a building project going on in heaven. There is a construction project occurring in heaven. Ain't not that amazing? Praise God. Jesus. And he's adding more rooms, more apartments, more condos, more mansions continually. So that every time somebody is truly born again, another mansion, another room is added onto the city of New Jerusalem. That that city being built in heaven is going to come down out of heaven, it says right here. Because Matthew 5 says that the meat shall inherit the earth. So when it talks about that we have a spirit reserved in heaven or in the heavens for us, we've got to realize that heaven is not our home. Heaven is not our home. The meat shall inherit the earth. And that's quoting, Matthew 5 is quoting the book of Isaiah. The meat shall inherit the earth. So that new city, Jerusalem, all those mansions, will come down out of heaven onto this earth. This is so simple, that people don't believe the Bible. They don't read the Bible, and they don't believe it when they do read it. But if we read this and believe it, then heaven is not our home. Amen? Amen. Amen.
0: They don't read Revelation, Mr. Should do that. Amen.
1: Verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Amen. The tabernacle of the theos is among men, and he would dwell among them, and they should be his people, and the theos himself would be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, as we sung that song, what a glorious day it will be. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be mourning Sorrow, crying, pain, for those first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making or refashioning all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Who else said, or is really the same being, isn't it? Who said on the cross, it is finished? Christ did. This is the same being. Amen. Christ is saying, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I would give to the one who thirsts. Who said that on the last great day? In John 7. Amen. Who said that on the last great day? Jesus said it. This tells you who the Alpha is. This tells you that Jesus is God. So some of you have been writing in inside the cover of the Alpha and Omega Bible, a list of verses that proves that Jesus is God. This has got to be one of them. If you're making a list of the verses that prove that Jesus is God, this is one of those verses out of many, 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 many verses. Jesus said this in John 7, verse 37, that if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink of the water of life. So here, this is Jesus. Verse 7 He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his theos. This is still Jesus speaking. Amen. I will be his theos, and he will be my child. If we are his children, what does that make him? The Father. So if you're writing down verses that prove He's the Father, this would be one of them. Amen. Amen. This is Jesus talking. Verse eight. But for the fearful and the unfaithful, we're talking about faith, talking about persevering, pressing through. Amen. But the fearful and the unfaithful, and the bondable, and the murderers, and the fornicators, and the practitioners of witchcraft, the idolaters, and liars they will have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The second death happens after the second life. Don't that make sense? The second death happens after the second life. That's the only thing that makes sense. Amen. The word fornicators here means anybody that does Christmas, Easter, Sunday worship, Halloween, because all of those things are fornication to God. But it can also mean sexual fornication as well. But you have to identify what is sexual fornication and what is not sexual fornication. Because according to Babylon, every act of sex is sexual fornication, almost, almost everything. According to Babylon, everything is a sin. So you have to identify what really is and what really is not. You can't just throw everything in there and say, "Oh, there's proof." You can't do that. You have to identify each thing. Verse nine. Then one of the seven angels. So long. Um, let's just get down to uh, now. We keep reading. We keep reading. One of the seven angels that have the seven bowls of the seven last legs He came and spoke with them, saying, "Come here, and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb." And he carried me away into the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from the theos, having the glory of the theos. Her brilliance, the city brilliance, was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels and the names written on those gates, which are the 12 tribes of the sons of Jezreel. So that tells us that in paradise, the tribes of Israel will still be important to God. Amen? Even though we'll no longer be in the flesh, flesh and blood, those 12 patriarchs of the tribes of Israel Judah and Joseph, Ephraim. Well, not Ephraim because that's the child of Joseph. But those original 12 tribes will have their names written in Jerusalem. And that's something to think about. It's something to think about. It really is. Where are we at? Verse 13, three gates in the east and three gates in the north, three gates in the south, three gates in the west, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on them the 12 names of the 12 apostles as well. Amen. And the one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its wall. And the city is laid out as a square. And its length is as great as the width. And he measured the city with the rod. 15 miles, 100 miles, 1,500 miles, and its length and its width and its height are equal. So even though it says the seat is laid out as a square, I'm not ruling out the possibility that it's actually in the shape of a pyramid because the base of the pyramid is a square. And you could still have all these measurements being the same in the pyramid. And we know that uh, the pyramids were used by the tribes of Israel they were and they were not considered as pagan by those Israelite patriarchs uh, and the Maccabees did not consider them as pagan so this is just a possibility that this could be a pyramid and he measured its walls 72 yards in human measurements, which were also angelic measurements, and the material of the walls were jasper. And this is another thing about pyramids, is most people don't realize that the pyramids had a lot of different minerals in those pyramids. A lot of quartz and a lot of other precious, valuable stones mixed into the materials, and especially certain rooms. Had more gold or silver or jasper or whatever, different ones, minerals, in different rooms of different pyramids. And a lot of that was looted and stowed in over the centuries, uh, but there is still, to this very day, a lot of precious stones in the pyramids. So that also leans me toward that direction of believing it's a pyramid. The material of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass, and the foundation stones of the city wall was adored with every kind of precious stones. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second was s- s- sapphire, the third, chachydone, the fourth was emerald, the fifth, sardoxy, the sixth, sardius, the seventh, crystallite, the eighth is beryl, the ninth is topaz, which is one of my birthstones, And the tenth is crystal praise. The eleventh is jasmine. The twelfth is amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. I saw no temple in it. For the Lord of the Theos, the Almighty, the same is the Lamb. They are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of the Theos has eliminated it. And its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime. For it. there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed. And they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it and nothing unclean. And no one who practices abomination or lying shall come into it, the only those whose names are written in the Lamb's scroll of life. Now, some people misunderstand this. They think that because it says that the liars would not enter into it, that they would still exist on the outside of it. That's ridiculous. I wish mm-hmm. I, I had my cuckoo sound effect right now. Poo-poo anyway it doesn't mean that there's going to be sinners in paradise on the outside of the wall of Jerusalem but rather what it means is the sinners won't be present in paradise at all there won't be sinners in paradise come on now come on put your thinking caps on there won't be sinners in Paradise at all in this new heavens, new universe, new earth, when there will no longer be any judgment, no more testing, no more pain, no more endurance, no more perseverance, just joy, just only happiness. How can the sinners be there? If they're sinners, they're still going to be testing. If they're sinners, they're still going to be trials and sufferings. So how would that be possible? Just use logic. Just use logic. Amen? And it continues on. You can read chapter 22 in your privacy of your own home later on. And I do encourage you that if you have a brother or a sister with you, like they do in Jamaica, to go ahead and read together chapter 22 after we hang up after we end the broadcast here in a minute, read chapter 22, talk about it, and make sure you pray together and spend some time with food and fellowship together today, as this is still a fiesta day, a great celebration day. It should be a day of fellowship, spending time together, eating, feasting, whatever you can do even if it's only a peanut butter and jelly sandwich something whatever you can do whatever you can do make it a fiesta amen well i praise the lord for this high holy day of the last great day of the fiesta of tabernacles and i'm so glad to have my brothers and sisters all around the world observing the biblical holy days in this dark and wicked generation we in inches a few days from now they're going to be honoring and celebrating Satan on the witches day the Satanist day of all saints day even so-called Christians around the world we'll be celebrating All Saints Day which is exactly the same day in the spiritual realm as Halloween the day of the dead the day of the scrolls the day of death and destruction and human sacrifice but the saints of God will not partake in such darkness rather the saints of god will be praying against such and fasting against such and not partaking in any such darkness but rather exposing them and rebuking them amen Amen. touch not the unclean thing but come out and be separate from them and do not even live with such a person that enjoys the darkness of halloween do not even live with such a pervert, amen. Brother Gerald, you got anything to add? And the, the chat room is now open if anybody has any questions about anything I have said today. And for the people that are listening for the first time, uh, as people begin to type in their questions and as Brother Gerald searches what he wants to bring up, People are listening for the first time. You're listening to the broadcast, the live broadcast or recording of I Saw the Light Ministries, worship services, every Saturday. But today, being Monday, is a holy day in the Bible called the Last Great Day. John 7, Jesus stood on the last great day and spoke about Him being the water of life, that salvation is available through Him. And the apostles of the first century church continued to keep all of the biblical holy days even 50 years later after jesus went back to heaven the, the first century church continued to keep the biblical holy days even decades later that's very clear in scripture and Zechariah 14 talks about after jesus comes back that all the nations of the earth even the egyptians which are gentile even all nations of the earth, all nations of the earth must continue to keep the biblical holy days of the Bible, including the Fiesta of Tabernacles. That's very clear in Zechariah 14 and other verses of the Bible. Very, very clear. I encourage you to learn more by visiting the ministry website at isolthelightministries.com. I saw the light ministries.com. I, right, Brother Gerald, what are you going through it?
0: Just a question or observation. Okay. Um, interesting. You have the uh, the gate in New Jerusalem with the names of the the, the, the twelve the twelve tribes, twelve sons of Israel. And some of them were left with curses when he died.
1: No. Anything else? And I'll also give you a heads up that we're going to have special worship services on October the 26th, which will be a Wednesday for the first day of the 8th biblical month. First day of the 8th biblical month, Wednesday, October 26th. We'll have services that day as well. So you need to plan ahead of time for that. Uh, The Bible does talk about The commandment to gather together for worship services, not a Sabbath, but worship services on the first day of each biblical month. The Bible prophesies that in God's kingdom, after Jesus comes back, people will continue to be required by God, according to the Bible, according to the book of Isaiah, that people will continue to meet together on the first day of each month. As well as the other, as well as the Sabbath days of God, biblical holy days. So not only is Zechariah 14, but even Isaiah, talks about the Sabbath and the new moons in the kingdom of God after Jesus comes back. Amen. All right, thank you for listening. And if you obey the Lord, then may you be blessed in amazing ways. All of this in Jesus' name.